0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. One Corinthians chapter 12, and I've stalled long enough. You ought to be there by now. Verse one, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Remember, he's talking to the church. He's talking to brethren, talking to you and I. I do not want you to be, Ignorant, unaware, misinformed. We've been looking at this now for some time. You know, the the longer I spend in this and, and the longer that we have been talking about the spiritual realities, you know, we ought to have more of awareness of spiritual realities than natural realities. That's really what we're trying to get out of all of this. That's really what we're trying to conclude and get to is helping the church understand that the, the supernatural should be more real than the natural to you and I. When you get a report of sickness and disease, that shouldn't be more real than what the report has already said about by his stripes, you are healed. And so, you know, it's these elements of life that as believers and as the church, where we have become more moved by things in the natural than the supernatural, that. Even back when Paul was writing 1 Corinthians, I mean, when we were first getting started, he said, you're misinformed, you're incorrect, you're unaware, um, ignorant. And again, ignorant doesn't mean I don't want to know, it just means I haven't known. It hasn't been revealed to me. So he's, he's helping us understand we're not to neglect these gifts. Never once does he discourage the church or discourage the believers from operating in these gifts or understanding spiritual realities, supernatural realities. But he's encouraging, if we don't know how to use it, we'll abuse it. If we don't know why they exist, then we won't know what they're supposed to accomplish. Amen? And so we're here under the uh, pretense and under the goal that we can understand why these gifts are given, how they're given, to whom they're given, what they're given for, what is the ultimate goal so we can walk in these things. Skip on down to verse uh, four. There are diversities, differences of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And we've looked at this Element That these gifts, although they're differing, we're not supposed to value one over the other. Or we're not supposed to seek one over the other. Or we're not supposed to uh, embrace one and neglect another. That there are multiple ways. And I love that about God. I love that about God. You know, many times you'll find that you'll operate in a gifting that can tend to align with uh, a, a character trait or how you are wired, how God each one of us are individuals, I love the diversity in the church. I love the diversity in the body of Christ. I love the diversity among people groups. I love the introverts and the extroverts, right? I love the organized and the crazy go getters that ask questions after they 've already made a big mess. I, I love the, the the diversities of how God has orchestrated his church, and we have to be a people that we're not just seeking others that are just like us, not seeking ministries that are just like us. I mean, by nature, I'm a teacher. By nature, I like people that are line upon line. But man, I, sometimes I'll put myself in scenarios or, or, or uh, under teaching. Of course, it's gotta be word-based. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate foundation. But I'll listen to people that maybe wouldn't be my style, wouldn't you know, be what I would naturally tend to. But you know what? There's something in them that God wants to get to me, and sometimes it means getting outside of comfort zones. Sometimes it means getting outside of what my preferences are, and we talk about this a lot, uh, especially at Anchor Faith Church. That it's the preferences that have crippled the purpose. It's the it's the I don't really like that. Or, I don't really go for that. Or, That's not really my style. Or, I'm I don't you know what I there's so many people that God wants to use in your life on a day-to-day basis if we would have more of an awareness and an openness to who God is you you might not even realize that God is using the people you reject to speak into your life and so when he says diversities differences of ministries there's diversities but it's the same God it's the same spirit what's that mean it's the same source it all goes back to the same source. And so we want to value these diversities. We want to value these differences, not allow them to be uh, causing contention and division. You know, the, he's having to address this with the church, and he's reinforcing and re emphasizing, because if you remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, nine chapters prior, what was he getting on to them about? Some of you say, I'm of Apollos. Some of you say, I am of Paul. They actually created, uh, you know, uh, cliques within their, I mean, we don't know about cliques in churches, right? I mean, y'all have never seen that before, especially in the South. I mean, no. But that's exactly what they were doing. I'm of this guy, and I'm of this guy. And they, 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 they separated rather than recognized, man, we need all of it. You know, the things that we reject, we got to understand we need. We need that. We need the powerful preaching, and we need the teaching, the grounded, founded teaching. We need those that operate in the prophetic, and we need those that operate in the apostolic, and we need those that are evangelistic, and we need those that are line-upon-line line teachers. And what we've done is we've taken these 5 full gifts or these nine gifts, and we've hugged one or two And say, I really like, and and then we just stick to our corners. And then we just surround ourselves with people that are like us, that like the stuff we like. And it's this nature that Paul's addressing here. And he's saying, You guys are too separated in this matter. You guys need to value the whole thing. It's not about Paul, it's not about I'm of Apollos or I came to the church when Apollos was pastor, and I came to the church when Paul. He says, But it's God that brings. The increase. It's the Spirit that brings the, whether it's a word of knowledge, whether it's a gift of miracles, whether it's a a, a gift of healings, a a gift of faith, whatever is in operation at the end of the day, it's all glory to Him and it's all about Him trying to reach you and touch you. Amen? So we we just have to continue to, to hit on that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the prophet of all. So notice it's not for the one. It's given to the one, but it's not for the one. We got to understand this. When we, when God is utilizing us or, or um, um, working through us and a gift is in operation, it's not for you. You become the channel or the avenue through which he's reaching somebody else. It's the same with the gifts of ministry, the, the five-fold gifts of ministry, the pastor, teacher, apostle, evangelist, and prophet. It's not for them. The, the, the pastor gift and the pastor call on my life is not for me. It's not to exalt me. It's not to make me known. It's, it's to make him known, and it's to bring his glory and power to someone. So if the only result that takes place, if, a, if you're being utilized in a gift or, a, or a God is using you, is your exaltation, then you've far missed the mark. But, you know, there are those that have built ministries on these gifts. They've, they've built ministries. Uh, you know, Brother Hagen told stories where, you know, there was, uh, you know, during the, the healing revivals in the, the 40s and the 50s, and there were, you know, these tents would go up and people with sickness and disease would flock to these tents. And individuals like A.A. A. Allen and, and Oral Roberts and and many of these, they would set up these tents and people would be healed by the droves. But Kenneth E. Hagin told them, do not build your ministry on your gift. If the anointing is not an operation, you know, you remember where uh, in, in the Bible it said about Jesus's ministry and the, 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 uh, The power was present to heal. Well, if if the anointing or the flow of that service is not in that, do not make it up. Do not manufacture it. Go back to teaching the word. Go back to teaching the word. But a lot of these individuals, because they felt they had to outdo the last tent meeting or they had to put on a show or everybody wants to come and see people healed. That's why they came. They didn't come to teach. They didn't come to hear teaching. They didn't come to to be preached at. They came to, to see something take place and they end up being motivated by the gift and you become, basically you become Samson. You take a gift that God gave you to bless someone else and you use it for personal gain. And Samson was anointed. But he took the anointing and manipulated the anointing for his own personal gain and personal results. These are the things we have to work against. These are the things we have to be careful of. It's for the blessing of someone else. It's for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith. By the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, another, working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of those tongues. But again, he's reinforcing one and the same Spirit works all these things and then distributes to each one individually as he wills. We recognize again that there's three categories of gifts that we've been looking at. The first category are those revelation gifts: the word of knowledge, which we've covered, the word of wisdom, which we covered last week, and then tonight we're going to cover the discerning of spirits. Notice that they're not in that order given, but for the sake of categorizing them and understanding their purposes, we now have bumped up discerning of gifts along with uh, discerning of spirits along with. Uh, word of knowledge and word of wisdom because it's revelation. It reveals something. We said that those are the three gifts that show you something or reveal something. The second category was the utterance gifts, the the, the gifts that say something, and that's prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts that say something. And then thirdly, the power gifts, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, and the, workings, the working of miracles. Those are the three gifts that do something. So we have three gifts that reveal, we have three gifts that uh, say something, and then we have three gifts that do something. Tonight, we're gonna look at the third gift in the category of revelation gifts, and that is the discerning of spirits. And if you remember from last week, which gift is the best gift? The one needed at the time, right? Um, You know, they're not listed by value or by importance necessarily. Um, It's based on the situation that we're in. And when I need direction from the Lord, I don't need a working of miracles, right? And when I've got sickness in my body, I don't need a word of wisdom necessarily unless it's instruction pertaining to the healing and how to receive that healing. You know, we, we, we are not identifying these in any particular order other than just breaking them down by these three categories. I just want to make clear on that. The word discern means this. The word discern literally means to distinguish. To distinguish. In Hebrews chapter 5 in verse 14 Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. The New King James reads it this way. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. Look at that. Exercised to discern. Watch this. Both good and evil. Both good and evil. Evil. Look at this in the New Living. Look at how it reads in the New Living. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference. Everyone say difference between right and wrong. And actually, the New American standard of this verse says to distinguish between right and wrong. Now, Right and wrong sounds like something we ought to be able to recognize the difference between automatically without any effort or work, right? But yet he says here that we need to exercise our ability to discern, distinguish, tell the difference between right and wrong. The New Living tells us that uh, through training— have the skill to recognize the difference between what seems like the most basic thing, right? Good and evil, righteous and unrighteous, you know, good, bad. Seems like the most basic concept in all of mankind. But this is the thing we have to understand about discernment, spiritual discernment. It is not necessary to distinguish right from wrong. It's necessary to distinguish right from what seems right. That's the difference. We need to be able to discern the difference between what is right and what seems right. What on the surface looks good, but underneath it has ulterior motives, improper agendas, is of a different spirit. So that's why this discernment is so important. And we're just talking about discernment on just a basic level. I'm not even getting into discerning of spirits at this point. I'm just talking about discernment is the distinguishing between. And Hebrews tells us this is a skill that you develop. This is not something you're just given naturally. This is not something that without little effort or without doing something uh, um, um, executing something in your life or uh, I- incorporating something in your life that you're going to be able to look at something and tell the difference between these two things. He says, this is a skill. If you know anything about skill, like you might have the talent, but to develop the skill, you've got to work at it. Nobody develops a skill at something just naturally, automatically. You might be naturally inclined to play a certain sport or or to 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 build homes, but there is a skill that's got to be developed, that you've got to train. Uh, The New King James says exercise. Here's the thing about not just the gift of discerning of spirits, but all these gifts, all these gifts. You must have a solid foundation in the word of God to operate in these gifts appropriately and accurately. these gifts I just I have to reinforce this once again I think we've done this almost every week but these gifts are not a replacement for spiritual discipline spiritual gifts are not a replacement for spiritual discipline spiritual gifts are not so that I don't ever have to be in the word I can just get a word of knowledge I don't need a word of wisdom I don't need to be led or I don't need to be led by the spirit in my life I can just get a word of wisdom You know, you can't live off a gift. And this is what we need to understand with these nine gifts, that they were not given, again, to profit you. That's when you begin to manipulate gifts and you start to try to operate in things so you can get by. No, how do you get by? You are grounded in the word of God. You have a strong, disciplined prayer life, communication with the Father. You're engaging the, the spiritual realities of heaven on a, on a consistent, regular basis. You're seeking those things that are above, not what is below. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But what happens is as we start seeking after these gifts or, or, or these moves or even miracles. Miracles in the wilderness made the Israelites irresponsible to believe God And that's why he could get them across the Red Sea, but they couldn't believe God for the next drink. Because miracles will make you irresponsible if you don't highlight the source and go to him. You see the difference. So miracles, signs and wonders, which again, for Jesus, there's no such thing as a miracle. He lives in that stuff. That's just correcting what is out of alignment. But what happens is, is we begin to exalt these things over just basic spiritual disciplines. Basic disciplines of every believer to place a value on my development in the Word, my development in growing as a believer, my development as a disciple, as a true follower of Christ. And I'm never to seek a gift as a replacement of not knowing something. We said this before, that the the gift... It um, is is not given. Um, how do we say it before the the gift is not given so that um, ah I'm ah, how can I put it together? Ah, you know what I'm saying. And if you don't, the Lord will show you. Amen. Okay, let's just continue to grow spiritually. Amen. Let's just continue to develop ourselves. I got stuck. That happens. Discerning of spirits. Here we go. Discerning of spirits. So this discerning is, again, not just trying to tell the basic difference between right and wrong. It's to help us see beneath what cannot be seen by just natural ability. It's discerning of spirits, a, a distinguishing, a telling the difference between. Now, this is, a, this is an element that has to be exercised. This is an element that has to be developed. Um, notice this, it is not called a discerning of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just just went right there. Because I know many of you are like, oh, yeah, I'll be able to know all about that person right now. This is not a discerning of people. It is a discerning of spirits. Here's the thing we have to remember. God loves people. And I'll take it one step further. God loves people that even lend themselves to evil spirits. But he loves the person. This is why a solid word foundation is necessary. Because what what can happen is you'll manipulate this gift. Uh, The reason why a lot of people struggle with this gift is because it, 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 it causes them to judge causes them to become judgmental because now that I know the spirit that you are operating of or the spirit that you are operating from, now I see you differently. We need the eyes of God. We need to see through the lens of the Father that he loves the person that is even under the oppression or control or manipulation of an evil spirit, and they may not even know it but he loves that person. He cares about that person. One of the common uh, spirits that is mentioned uh, in the word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, even in the book of Revelation, is the Jezebel spirit and the attack that it brings to leaders, to leadership, and to churches. But you know what? God loves the Jezebel. God loves the individual even though they have given themselves over to the control and he wants to see them set free. He wants to see them delivered. He doesn't want to see them continue to live. You remember the demoniac when Jesus showed up on the other side? That would cut himself. They would try to to chain him up and he'd break free and he was living in the graveyards and, and he would cry out at night. Jesus loved him. Loved him so much that he set him free from what was binding him. You can hate the spirit and love the person. Now you cannot love properly if you don't know how to hate properly. I'm just going to tell you. People don't, we don't get that concept today because this love, this message of love and acceptance and this message of you just accept whatever, that is not the case at all. I can't love you until I hate sin that is eroding you and and, and strangling you and taking you down. I have to hate sin the way God hates sin so I can love people the way God loves people. You've got to. You can't make tolerances for, you can't accept and allow. In fact, it's questionable if you really love a person if you will not address what is binding them. It's questionable. I just had someone send me something today that said, if you, pastors, if you have people on your worship teams that are in open sin and you know about it, you don't care about them, you care about their gift. It's true. So we've got to understand how God views all this. And so when we are operating with the discerning of spirits, you're seeing with, with spiritual eyes and you're gaining a glimpse of how God sees a given situation. It's not a, you're not operating or you may have manipulated a discerning of spirits if you become judgmental, if you start cutting people off, if you start calling people out. Come on, these are, these are the, the improper responses when there's a discerning of spirits, you see something that needs to be set free. You, need, you, you see something that needs a redemptive touch. Remember, we said that from the very beginning, that these nine gifts are actually pictures and images of how God wants to bring redemptive solutions to a fallen world, every single one of them. A working of miracles is to rectify, is to bring a miracle to a situation that cannot be corrected in a natural way. A word of knowledge is to bring a revelation of something that God is revealing. I love you. I know where you're at. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you've been through. A word of wisdom is supernatural direction for the future, giving you insight into how to navigate or manage the course that is ahead of you, right? That's, that's, that's redemptive. The Holy Spirit loves not to push down. It's always for the sake of restoration. It's always for the sake of redemption. And so, you know, lending yourself to a critical spirit while operating in a discerning of spirits and losing a value for the person that is bound, that's, that's unscriptural. That's not for the profit of all. And look, today, I mean, these things are running rampant. You know, again, this is revealing to us that there are supernatural elements, things that we cannot see that are forcing and controlling and urging and motivating the natural things we see today. We know that there is evil beyond evil taking place in our world today. We know this. The stuff that's being introduced to our children in schools. The confusion that's running rampant in families. I mean, it's just, it's sickening. It almost just puts a pit in your stomach. It's like, how did we get here? How can you fall that far away? And sin is breeding more sin. It's so dangerous because it will it will take on and it will... Uh, just continue to breed and create more of what it is. Jesus told the Pharisees, "You are of your father, the devil, which means he has bred you. He has made something that is just as evil as himself." And so, these supernatural—it it, it can be tough when you see a a a, a supernatural a, a spirit that is behind. Whether it's a person, whether it is what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're encouraging others to believe. Have you ever noticed that? That sinful people are never just satisfied living in sin. That they have to get other people to tolerate it, celebrate it, and then become it. Isn't that amazing? A righteous person can stand all by themselves. I don't care if you accept it. I don't care if you believe me. I don't care if you come to my side. But unrighteous people, they've got to gather. They, they've got to build a community. And that's what they're doing because they're seeking acceptance that they can only find in the Father. I say all that to say that behind all of that are, are supernatural elements, and they're running rampant in our country right now. They're running rampant in our country right now. So we, we need to be able to have some discernment in these Categories, But it's not called a discerning of people. It's called a discerning of spirits. I also want to identify that it does not clarify what spirits. Meaning that this is a discerning of both good and evil spirits. That I can see when God is, there is a spirit realm, there is a supernatural realm that is both good and evil. Right, God is spirit, and those who worship him, what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. But we know that the devil himself, he is also spirit. Okay, that means it's not natural, it's not tangible. Now, the devil is not the equivalent of God. We know he's not more powerful than God, but he's also not even the equivalent of God. He's he's a fallen angel. It's nowhere close to God. In fact, he's below man because according to the word of God, it's God. Then he created man a little lower than himself and then angels, right? So Satan's actually below you on that category, by the way. Just as angels are, angels are never to be worshipped. Never worship an angel. They're there for your benefit. They're there for your assignment. They're there to do what you assign them to do and what God assigns them to do. But angelic beings, seraphim, cherubim, archangels, these are all supernatural realities. It means they're not natural, tangible like you and I. You know that the angels, along with being worshipers, are also the army of God. And he's got an army. There's one time he sent one angel. I don't remember the number, but it was a lot of soldiers he took out by himself. One angel. I mean, there's no army on the planet. What did Jesus say? I can call down a legion of angels. We'd have this thing over real quick, didn't he? That's the supernatural realities. The discerning of spirits is not just discerning evil. You know, a lot of people have taken the discerning of spirits and they've, they've used it to justify uh, and, and and reason going and looking for evil spirits. You never go looking for evil spirits. Then you end up just living your life with, with your head constantly looking over your shoulder, you know, thinking something's after you. Jesus never went looking for evil spirits. They came and found him, didn't they? And let me tell you something about evil spirits. They know who Jesus is. They know the authority he possesses. And they know if you are in the kingdom of God, what you possess. They sure do. Absolutely they do. So this is not for fear. You know, the the, the church, again, being so ignorant and being so unaware of supernatural realities, we, we end up in fear when we talk about the supernatural, when we should be understanding that is to our advantage. You're a spirit being housed in a physical body, but you are a spirit being. And that's why I was talking you know, at the end of our message on Sunday about the difference between the soul realm and the spirit realm and what are we really ministering to. I'm not neglecting that there's a soul that needs to be uh, uh, ministered to and refined, right? We say that the, the spirit is saved, the soul is being saved, and the flesh cannot be saved, so it's got to be crucified, right? So I understand that there's work to do in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, but not at the expense of ministering to our spirit man. Because at the end of the day, your spirit man on the inside is championing who you are in Christ, the realities of the word of God. The the spirit man of you on the inside is saying, this is who you are, is grabbing a hold of that and hoping, is hoping that you'll renew your mind To the word rather than to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, the soul. Everything hinges on that soul realm. And so we're talking about the spirit realm. I mean, we're talking about who you really are. In fact, I'll go ahead and take you there real quick. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. All right, let's see. Romans chapter eight, verse 14, verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. So first off, discerning of spirits does not replace being led by the spirit. That is a command for all believers. If you are a son or a daughter, a child of God, then being led by the spirit, basically what he's saying is this is your new way of life. You were led by the ways of the world. You were led by the ways that are inferior. You were led by your natural senses, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, what you, what, 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 what you can touch, what you can taste. You were you led by those senses, but now you can be led by the Spirit of God. So that's for all believers. We know that the discerning, the gift of discerning of spirits is for those as the Spirit leads, Right? It's not for everybody, it's as the spirit leads and as he moves upon you. So uh, being led by the spirit of God is not the same. We have a, a requirement to be led by the spirit of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now look at this, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. What's that mean? That the Holy Spirit is continually trying to reveal to you who you are. He's continually trying to speak to you and lead you, not by what has happened to you. I, I love it, man. I-, I-, I encouraged someone a while back. I, I told him, you know, if-, if your past ever comes back up in your life, you know it's not from God. Your inferiorities, your insecurities, your failures, your mistakes, you can know right then that's not God. Not only will He, He can't. When you've repented, when you have laid that down, you've given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He says that He's forgiven it as far as the East is from the West. He doesn't even have the capacity. When you bring up your past to God, He's like, huh? That's not how God operates. God operates by revealing to you your future. God operates by revealing to you what you have yet to accomplish based on your new DNA, based upon who you have become in the kingdom of God. And so uh, I, I like to say it this way. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to introduce you to you. He's trying to introduce you to the new spirit of the, 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 that has been placed on the inside of you, the renewed person, the transformed person person at one point here in Romans he says put off the former things put off the old man and put on the new man Ephesians uh, chapter 4 I believe reads that way as well put off the old man and put on the new man so he's trying to introduce you that's being led by the spirit and that's the spirit of God speaking to your spirit and if children verse 17 then heirs so heirs is not just who you are, but it also includes what you have. When you become an heir of someone, it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm that person's son or daughter. It also includes what now belongs to you because you're in the family. Come on now. These are the things that the enemy is trying to manipulate people out of. See, if he can't keep you out of the kingdom, he'll keep you from figuring out what you have in the kingdom. That's what he does. This is how the the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So again, this is the basic being led by the spirit. This is not the capacity of the discerning of spirits. When we're talking about the discerning of spirits, we're talking about a heightened ability to see into the spirit realm, both divine and evil both divine and evil, both uh, in, in uh, God's supernatural realm and also in the evil uh, side, the evil supernatural realm. Look at this in Acts chapter 16. We'll look at an example here. And um, Robert, I've got one more I want you to pull, uh, pull up for me. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. So you uh, go, as your turning, go to Acts chapter 16. I'm just giving Robert a heads up that I'm going to go there. Luke chapter 9 verse, I think it's 55 is where we'll be looking at there. Acts chapter 16 verse 16. Verse 16, now it happened as we went to prayer. That a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. What is being said seems right, but Paul has further insight. Paul operates by a discerning of spirits and recognizes, even though the words that are coming out of your mouth mouth might seem like they are in line or correct. Remember, they did this to Jesus too, the demons, and Jesus would tell them to what? Be quiet. Here's why. Because if you'll listen to an evil source when it presents truth, then you'll think that everything else they have to say is truth. So it's not about what's being said, it's about where it's coming from. This is why we have to understand these things. I don't remember who it was, but, you know, when, you know, the last several years, it's it's just been so crazy with, you know, candidates, presidential candidates. And I love how when they get into a church, all of a sudden they start quoting all kinds of scripture. And we know you're evil. We know you don't care about God. We know you don't love God because everything you stand for and every agenda you're pushing and everything you're, tr- you're trying to overturn the Bible, I mean, everywhere you can, it's like, is that what God says? Let's do the opposite. That's literally where they live. And then they get up in here and they try to quote scripture. I think it was, I think it was Hillary Clinton got up there and just absolutely butchered the scripture, messed it all up. Man, it, it, you know, what was it? This is the day the Lord has made. And, and and then the rest of it was like, man, that's like the most basic one. Like, you taught that one in Sunday school. Just butchered it. You can't pretend. You can't pretend. And even as you put it on, the, there is a discerning that can take place where we can recognize, whoa, 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 whoa. You are not. You are not being motivated by God's reality. Amen. So, uh, even though they're saying the correct thing, Paul recognizes, "Mm, no, the source is incorrect. Verse 18, and this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed. (laughs) Does the devil ever annoy you? Paul just, he just gets frustrated. He gets irritated. Now, not, I mean, notice he's not Paul greatly fearful, right? Paul greatly anxious. Oh, no, this this evil spirit's going to come... Just annoyed. The devil can annoy you, but he should never move you to anxiousness or worry or concern or fear. because You are stronger and mightier than he ever wishes he could be. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said, look at this, to the spirit. To the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that we just sung about. To come out of her. And he came out that very hour. In, I mean, by one word, come out. By one instance of authority. You don't have to fight with demons. You don't have to fight with the evil realm. Jesus never, he, he, he didn't carry on conversations. He, he wasn't, you know, you know, arguing with them. Uh, he wasn't, you know, working, you know, overtime. I mean, just as simple as I'm stronger than you, come out. Again, all for the sake of the deliverance of the individual that was under oppression. I mean, you know, with the demoniac, after he delivered that, that man wanted to come and travel with Jesus and go and minister everywhere with him. Remember that? He said, can I come with you? He said, actually, I need you to stay here and be a witness to all these people here. But, but that, that's the love of God for someone that he would set them free from that. And Paul could have just continued to ignore it. He could have just let it go on. But he saw a redemptive opportunity, a redemptive solution. And by discerning the Spirit, even though they were saying, look, I'm telling you right now, you don't want a devil praising God. You don't want a devil glorifying God. When they would come and say, oh, Jesus, you're you're the son of God, you're the master, he would immediately tell them to shut up and come out. Because you can get all these people to start following you. And they only believe in me because an evil spirit is telling them to believe. Okay? It's dangerous. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And um, let's start with this, uh, verse 51. Verse 55 is what we want to get, but let's get to the context here. Now it came to pass, Luke nine fifty one. when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But look what he says in verse 55. He turned and rebuked them, and he said, look at what he says. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Of means source, means from. You don't know where this is coming from. It might seem, uh, you know, were there opportunities where fire came down from heaven? Yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah came down so hard it's been removed off the face of the planet. You can't even find it. We know that the judgment has been carried out. But the problem was that it, it was coming from a motivation of seeing people consumed rather than restored. And Jesus is a God, or God is a God of long suffering. And Jesus, being the Son of God, came here with much long suffering and patience and giving people opportunity. Mercy ultimately is delayed wrath. I mean, God is God. If there's punishment, if there's consequence, it will be carried out. But you. But God is having mercy on your life. Why? So that you will turn from it and repent and walk away. But anything that's unrepented of, anything, then, you know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover sins. It covers sins repented of. God's not just going around covering sin. He's, he's around giving people time to change their heart and to change their life and to align with his values and his principles. He's given them. And so that should be our heart. When you see a leader that is just instantly ready to carry out judgment, they do not have the heart of God. Whether they can see into the spirit realm or not, whether it's something that's visible on the surface or whether it's something, you're giving people the opportunity to be restored. And Jesus says, you don't know what manner You remember how Jesus treated the Samaritans and and Jews didn't act this way. But Jesus stopped at a well and ministered to a Samaritan woman when he was tired. He wasn't even on a ministry journey. You know how many times Jesus ministered in the interruptions of life? You know how many times Jesus ministered just trying to get to the next place? You remember when Peter and John were on the way to the temple in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3? And they saw the man, they were going to the place of prayer. They weren't even there yet. They were outside the gate and they saw an opportunity for redemption on the way. That's when you've got a heart aligned with God, the Father. We're not just casting judgment and calling down judgment. And and that's that's not up to us. That's up to the Father. Now, that doesn't mean that we just let people just live in sin and, and live in destruction. When the Lord shows us, The Bible tells us in Galatians uh, chapter 6 that when you have a a brother that has fallen in sin, those of you that are spiritual should restore them. But what's the purpose? To restore. Not to call out. Not to act holier than thou. And then what's the qualification to restore? You've got to be spiritual. Unspiritual people can't help unspiritual people. Y'all see what I'm saying? So the heart of the Father is always redemption. So this this discerning of spirits, I know it seems like maybe I'm just camping on one side, but it's many times it's been manipulated for the purpose of bringing judgment and exercising in the name of a gift. And that's misuse. That's abuse. He he says, uh, you do not know what spirit you are of. For the Son of Man, here it is, did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. What's he saying? That's my ultimate motivation. And if you remember in verse 51, it says, when the time had come for him to be received, he's saying, I'm about to show you the ultimate demonstration of what I'm going to lay down for those that you think should be written off for those that you think should be consumed. And, and honestly, James and John should have been right there with them. You and I should have been right there with them, being consumed in what our failures were, coming into the world as sinners. But because of the great price and the mercy and the sacrifice and the grace that Jesus exhibited through his death, burial, and resurrection, now we can be called into the ministry of reconciliation. Not the ministry of pointing fingers. Not the ministry of calling out. Not the ministry of, of, let me show you how much better I am. No, the ministry of, I was broken, I was lost, but I've been found. I was in darkness, but now I've been brought to light. I was far away, but I've been made close, been brought near. I'm in the family of God, and so can you. All of these gifts should operate this way, but especially this gift. Because, you know... One, one, one test as a leader that I always have for my leaders, and that is that that has been a test of mine when I was on leadership. That was, what do you do with information? Because you know, as a leader, you 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 begin to learn things. You you know things. And even in church when, you know, we can come into places and we've got it all put together in here, right? And everybody thinks that they're doing worse than the person across the aisle or down the road. But at the end of the day, we're we're all going. We all have challenges. There's always things that we are working through and God is working in our lives on all the time. Every single one of us. But does that information, I mean, I I tell people, even even those that have failed in, in major ways, I'll let them know the enemy this coming Sunday will have you sit right there as I'm up there preaching, and he'll make you think that every time I see you, all I'm thinking about is your failure, your mess up, your brokenness. And that is only the devil. That is not of God. That is not of me. I see you as Jesus sees you. I encourage you to repent. I encourage you to, to live fully according to his plan and his purpose. But you know, that's what the enemy will do. And then he'll take things that I say, that I'm preaching. Well, he's preaching that because he knows about what I've done wrong. Look, I've been in the seat in that situation, and I've had those in the seat. Were you saying that because of... Or, nope, not at all. Put that out of your mind. That's the enemy trying to keep you from restoration, from, reconcil- from, reconcil- from being reconciled back with the Father. Man, when, when I get insight from the Spirit of God, I know He loves you so much. He's revealed this because He wants you delivered from it. And This is not a call down, your, call down fire ministries international. This is be reconciled to Him. This is be restored to His plan. And His purpose, and that God has great plans for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times